global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We move into the final hour of trading on this Thursday, May 25th, ahead of a long holiday weekend here. We have got stocks trading at their highs of the session, records on the S&P and NASDAQ, retailer results boosting confidence in consumers' ability to jumpstart economic growth. Shares of Best Buy surging 22% right now to 61.53. Earnings there topping estimates. Joe Feldman is an analyst at Telsey Advisory Group. And on Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, he told us Best Buy has done a great job with online ordering. It's over 40% of uh, online orders are actually picked up at the store. You know, now one would think, well, oh, everybody wants to just buy a TV online and have it shipped to their house. But you know what? A lot of people like to go into the store. They may pick up the accessories. They may confirm the order that they bought. They may be sitting at their desk right now at the office and, and saying, you know what, I need to pick something up on the way home. And they'll purchase it and want it the same day. So you get the immediate gratification of that. Heading the other direction, Signet Jewelers. It was out with earnings this morning. Shares now lower by 7.2%. Signet is the parent of K Jewelers. Oil moving lower after OPEC and its allies extended oil production cuts for nine more months. West Texas intermediate crude tumbling 5.1%. It is below 49 now at 48.73. Brent down 5% at 51.28 a barrel. Gold up 2.20 the ounce, up two tenths of 1%. The 10-year yield there, 2.25%. Again, recapping S&P at a record, up 12 to 24.16, up five tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 52 to 62.15. That is a gain of nine tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. As we talk about economics and global economics, who better to join us right now than our Bloomberg Intelligence Chief U.S. Economist, Carl Ricadana. Uh, Carl, uh, uh, we were just talking to the uh, global strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management, uh, Ben Mandel, uh, and he was talking about global growth, GDP growth at 3%. When I look at indicators on the terminal, uh, I, I, I can't quite find that number. Uh, uh, I guess it depends on what you want to count as global and what you don't. What, what, what should I be using for that? Well, what we uh, can see is that this is uh, compiled uh, once all of the uh, various countries report their GDP statistics. So it does take time for that number to become available. And uh, the value of looking at things like GDP uh, is to know it in uh, real time or as close to real time as possible. So uh, by the time we've compiled the global number, sometimes it's uh, too late uh, if you're looking for uh, uh, potential uh, problems or unraveling of economic development. So, for instance, uh, last year the uh, global economy grew at about 3%, uh, maybe 3.1%. Uh, stall speed for the global economy is about 3%. So if you're slowing down to 3%, then central bankers should uh, start to get worried, as they did last year. If you recall, the uh, Fed scaled back the amount of uh, uh, tightening that they were uh, intending to do. Uh, the good news is things seem to be moving in a uh, more favorable direction this year. And so uh, I think for 2017, uh, we should be uh, closer to 33 or 3.5% uh, growth. And that's uh, a, a story line that's unfolding across the board as uh, not only the U.S. appears to be picking up speed, however moderately, uh, but you also see uh, evidence coming out of uh, Europe uh, and much of the uh, developed world uh, that uh, economic activity is picking up as well. 
Well, that really um, kind of falls in line with what we heard from Ben Mandel, global strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. We're here at J.P. Morgan headquarters, and we talked to him early about, earlier about how we're, he's seeing, you know, glow, growth really around the world, and that's led them to a fairly diversified uh, portfolio in terms of their investment strategy. I do want to bring Dave Wilson uh, into the conversation, stocks editor at Bloomberg News. He's got his chart of the day, and Dave, you're kind of, you know, you have been monitoring people moving into value, then growth, then value. You again? What's what, what? What are you looking at specifically? Well, that's sort of where things stand right now. The question of whether we get another swing toward value, as we had really in the aftermath, uh, the immediate aftermath of the presidential election, and it's something that uh, Andrew Adams at Raymond James is paying attention to. He's a market strategist, works with uh, Jeff Sutt over there, um, and he pointed out that you know if you look at uh, relative strength of the uh, Russell 3000 value index relative to its counterpart uh, for growth. And, and we're talking about, you know, two of the broadest gauges of U.S. stocks. You see that uh, in, in relative terms, value has gotten kind of weak, which is to say that, you know, growth is, is uh, getting a bit too strong for their liking, similar to what you saw, you know, going back to last year. And then, you know, that uh, particular pendulum swung the other way. And so now the issue is whether where you, you know, kind of go back to that. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, really something that developed throughout last year and, and then picked up post-election. So, you know, it, it, it's a matter of kind of reading what's going on in the market and trying to get a sense of where things are headed from here. And I should just point out, if you want to take a closer look at this, folks, send me an email. I'll get you this chart, the explanation that goes with it, and everything I do going forward. The email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. I mean, Carl Cadana, you know, Growth versus a value scenario, you know, equity investors going back and forth on that. But, you know, you just mentioned that we are really kind of seeing signs of growth around the globe. Right. And, you know, one of one of the things, uh, you know, I think is worth focusing on here is uh, what I'll call the uh, invisible tailwind uh, from declining unemployment rates globally. So we're so conditioned as economists and forecasters uh, to uh, look at the underperformance of recent years. Right. You're conditioned by recent history. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, forecasters have this belief then that uh, the Fed's always going to deliver less than what uh, they've uh, forecast at the start of the year and Growth will probably disappoint to the downside, uh, but that doesn't mean that has to happen indefinitely. And so, you know, if we look at what derailed growth in past years, there were these one-off exogenous events, whether it was uh, Chinese currency devaluation or the Brexit vote uh, last summer. Uh, if we happen to make it through a year without one of those major shocks, and who knows if that will happen or not, uh, but if you do make it through without that major shock, then uh, the growth profile can be stronger. But this invisible tailwind, whether we look at uh, the, you know, the, the once ailing economies of uh, Greece and Spain and peripheral Europe, uh, unemployment right. rates are still in double-digit territory, but they're moving down. Uh, it's moving down in the U.S. As unemployment rates move lower, that creates more wage pressures and more spending power for consumers. And so we have kind of a, a global coordinated lift from consumer spending. We see it in the U.S. And more recently, we've been seeing it perking up in Europe as well. Um, do, do we look at, at some of the global GDP rates uh, higher than the U.S. as a as a tailwind for the U.S. or do we look at you know is, therefore the U.S. an opportunity for faster GDP growth or or the opposite we see the U.S. lagging where other company, countries are growing faster? 
I think it's an opportunity to some limited degree. At the very least, it uh, keeps a lid on uh, potential concerns of uh, financial contagion. Uh, that being said, the U.S. is a relatively closed economy. So faster global growth, yes, it will help U.S. exports, but we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, 12 to 15 percent of GDP. So it's not a, a huge uh, uh, needle mover in terms of uh, domestic economic activity. But it does, uh, you know, if we're not worrying about sovereign risk in Europe or uh, other uh, issues of that magnitude, uh, then you know, that allows businesses to be more confident. Carl, when you look at the U.S. economy, though, is there any aspect of it that still maybe troubles you a little bit? Well, uh, one one thing that troubles me is the fact that we don't have uh, well-diversified growth in the U.S. right now. And uh, Q1 was the perfect example. And we'll get the second print of Q1 GDP tomorrow morning. Uh, but uh, I, I call Q1 uh, the, the, the quarter that consumers stood still because consumer spending was so weak. Uh, and we saw overall growth just basically collapse uh, without consumers uh, driving the show. So uh, I would feel more confident in the robustness of U.S. growth if we were seeing a number of economic engineers firing rather than this very narrow focus on consumer spending. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting timing, too. I mean, consumer spending has been kind of the weakest part of the economy, but you do see little, you know, we got those Best Buy results today, and, and they were surprising because you would have think that would be a place where you'd see a weakness, and we didn't see it. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think consumers will be uh, back uh, in charge of the uh, growth profile in uh, the current quarter and uh, probably over the uh, foreseeable future, and that should extend growth long enough for under, other engines uh, to engage. But the adage of their strength in numbers certainly applies to economics. So, uh, you know, we would rather have uh, multiple uh, contributors to growth than just uh, just a few narrow categories. All right, Dave Wilson, Stocks Editor, Bloomberg News. Carl Rickadonna, Chief U.S. Economist with Bloomberg Intelligence, right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get some world and national news headlines with Bloomberg News anchor Adrian Mitchell in our 991 studios in Washington, D.C. Corey and Carroll, a federal appeals court in Virginia, has refused to lift a block on the president's travel ban on six mostly Muslim countries. It says the executive order is steeped in animus and directed at a single religious group. President Trump in Brussels is urging NATO members to spend more on defense. German Chancellor Angela Merkel says they will confirm a decision to spend 2 percent of GDP by 2024. Republicans rushed their health care bill through the House without waiting for an evaluation by the Congressional Budget Office. Now it says the same number of Americans who gained coverage through Obamacare would stand to lose it. Bloomberg's Irv Chapman reports and found the silver lining in the report. What I'm encouraged by is the fact that CBO said, yes, we hit our budget target and then some. The reforms that we put in this bill will help lower premiums. Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi said lower premiums pay for less insurance. Many people would see huge cost increases for basic coverage like maternity care, opioid addiction, other addictions, and mental health treatment. Many Americans will find they've been paying for health coverage that doesn't cover much at all. Senate Republicans are drafting their own bill, facing the same issues of how much to subsidize coverage, for whom and for what. Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio, Washington. GOP lawmakers say they don't know the facts about charges against Greg Gianforte. A British reporter says Gianforte body slammed him. The Republican is running for Montana's sole congressional seat. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.